Today on the Main Quest Podcast, I'm talking about Bonk's Revenge. What's going on, guys? This is your host, Keith, and welcome to the Main Quest Podcast. So, a little behind the scenes, I'm actually re-recording this episode. I started to edit the, the episode that I recorded and found out that my voice was, like, electronic. It, I kind of sounded like a robot for whatever reason. At first, maybe I thought it was the speakers or the program I used to record and edit. I thought maybe they were doing something weird. Google wasn't really any help at all. No, nothing really helped, and so I just I rendered the file. Uh, I rendered the rough copy file and, and listened to it on my phone with you know a good pair of headphones, and it just it sounded like dog shit. I have no idea what happened. I I have no clue. So uh, so I'm going to re-record the episode, and hopefully everything works out. I've double, tripled, and quadruple checked every setting. So if this doesn't work and it just ends up sounding like garbage, uh, I apologize. The other thing I noticed when editing the Bonk's Adventure episode is that because I got maybe four or five hours of sleep, I went on long-winded explanations about almost nothing. I feel like I ranted a little too much, and, and that's what happens when that's what happens when you don't get that much sleep. You just kind of talk. And I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of instances where I just was like repeating myself for no reason at all. So, uh, I'm sorry about that. It was a, it was a really long episode, mainly because I, I was just kind of ranting. But also, I think that game as a whole was kind of important to me. And so I got, I got a little more, a little more passionate about it than, than the other games. And, and even today's game. Um, but I'll get into that in, a, in just a little bit. I want to keep the podcast between 40 to 50 minutes if I can especially uh, since it's just me. I know sometimes it's kind of asking a lot just to uh, have to listen to one person for that amount of time. So just until I can uh, get somebody else in here periodically to uh, help me with some of these to kind of discuss and, and talk about and reminisce about these games, um, I'm going to try and keep it under an hour. That's, that's the goal. But naturally, as uh, we move on into the newer generations, games are just going to get longer and are going to need to get more fleshed out than these earlier games. So I think naturally as the show progresses, the episodes are just going to get a little bit longer. So real quick, I just want to touch on the Resident Evil 3 remake. And I guess I should say spoilers. In fact, I don't. if you've already listened to the other episodes, I mean, this show is all about spoilers. I, I, don't, I don't feel like I have a, a reason to tell you that there's going to be spoilers, period. I'm all about spoilers. Especially if it's a game that I'm uh, reviewing that's over 30 years old. There's there's just going to be spoilers. So from this episode on, spoilers for everything. Especially for this Resident Evil 3 remake because it's something that just came out. But I guess I don't, I don't know how I can spoil a remake of a 20-year-old game. But there's some little, a little bit of narrative changes, but not, but not much. Um, overall, the Resident Evil 3 remake was fantastic i fucking loved it and and i'm in the middle of my second playthrough right now 
as is tradition after your initial playthrough of a Resident Evil game. You unlock a lot of bonus content, you unlock a lot of uh, unlimited ammo things and buffs that you can add to your characters, it's kind of like a new game plus type of situation. And so uh, on my second playthrough, I'm pretty much just kind of blazing through it. Um, I'm about 40 minutes in and uh, a little more than halfway to the end. I'm, I think I'm at like the hospital. So I'm just trying, I'm trying to get that S rank. I, I probably won't get it. I think I've saved too many times already. I think you have to save under like five times and I, I'm pretty sure I'm at like three or four already. So, and I'm not the uh, type of person to just leave my PS4 in sleep mode. I'd rather just uh, turn it off, man, because, hey, these electric bills, are they're no joke. They're no joke these days. And PS4, even though it's like in a, in a lower state power mode, it still takes a lot of electricity. And I know in the last episode, I was kind of uh, dogging a lot of people over uh, how they were complaining about the length of the game. And, you know, I, I hear them. I hear them. Um, you know, my first playthrough was pretty casual, and I'm the type of person that will... For the most part, especially if, if I really like the game, I will look in every little nook and cranny. I'm the type of person in a Resident Evil game where if I find a whole bunch of stuff and my inventory's maxed out, I will go back to the chest, empty everything I have, and go back and collect everything else that I missed. So with that said, uh, my first playthrough was almost about eight hours. I can definitely see how people can get through this game casually in roughly five hours, especially if they're just kind of blazing through it, not really picking everything up. But I would argue that, um, again, the original Resident Evil 3 was still pretty damn short, and also the replayability of this game is fantastic. I look at it this way, the, uh, the first Resident Evil and the second Resident Evil were very much like um, Ridley Scott's Alien, and Resident Evil 3 I always kind of compared to Aliens. RE1 and RE2 very much, you know, have that horror aesthetic. Whereas RE3 kind of tries to have the horror aesthetic, you know, it adds the nemesis following you around, but it's also a lot more action oriented and you almost have to go that way because of how the nemesis is. So my second playthrough, I'm just, I'm loading up on bullets. I have some unlimited ammo, so there's other ammo that I'm allowed to stock up on that I normally wouldn't be able to. And I'm blowing all these fucking zombies away. And it's it's so much fun. It's so much fun to just kind of have that little power trip because your first playthrough, it's you don't really have it. And to touch on Nemesis, just real quick, just a little bit. Um, a lot of people are upset that he's not really in the game that much, and I hear you there too. I was kind of bummed about that, especially his first form. Uh, you you don't encounter his first form that often. He he transforms so quickly, and uh, his encounters are pretty much scripted, which is kind of a bummer, also. But it didn't really ruin the game that much for me, because if you think about it, the Nemesis is so, so much more powerful than Mr. X's. I mean, Nemesis can just bust through walls. He can follow you basically anywhere. He's got fucking weapons. He's got tentacles, so he can hit you at a long range. He's very quick. He can jump around. If you had him following you around the entire game, not only would it just be fucking annoying, but the spike in difficulty would be insane. It'd be enormous. So the scripted encounters uh, didn't bother me too much. And one thing that I really did enjoy, again, spoilers for the end of the game, they kind of give the nemesis sort of like a backstory. You didn't really have a backstory in the original Resident Evil 3. Um, and so basically it's some, you know, it's a bioweapon that was created in the UK. 
and they introduced uh, the T-virus to a parasite. And so they kind of bridged that gap between Resident Evil 3 and Resident Evil 4. It's not exactly the same parasite that we see in Resident Evil 4, but I thought it was just a nice little Easter egg, I guess. It seemed like Resident Evil 1, RE2, and RE3 were a very cohesive trilogy, and then 4 kind of sidestepped all that stuff. And so with this remake, it's it's kind of a nice little, I don't want to say retelling, it is kind of a, a nice little thing that they do to bridge that gap between the two games, and, and who knows what games they're going to remake next, or if they're just going to focus on Resident Evil 8. I feel like a complete overhaul of Resident Evil 4 is pretty unnecessary. I think it could use a fresh coat of paint, but uh, I don't think they need to overhaul it like they have done for RE2 and RE3. It seems like a lot of games these days, uh, cover shooters and stuff like that, are still stealing from Resident Evil 4, so it doesn't seem like it would be completely out of date yet. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you like the Resident Evil series and you haven't gotten the Resident Evil 3 remake, go fucking get it. I think a lot of the complainers out there are just purists for whatever reason, and um, you know, that's fine. Um, you can still go play Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, the 1999 version or whatever. You can still go play that. You, you don't have to hate on the new game. It's perfectly fine. And uh, honestly, if you're not really playing anything right now, it's a nice little appetizer for uh, whatever's whatever you're going to play next. So so that's a little much. That's, a, that's enough of my Resident Evil corner for today. Let's get into the game that I actually played for today's episode, and that's Bonk's Revenge. Unlike Bonk's Revenge, I, I don't have too much of a personal connection Bonk's Revenge. Bonk's Adventure? Unlike Bonk's Adventure, I don't remember which one I said. Unlike Bonk's Revenger, Revenger? Jesus Christ. Unlike Bonk's Adventure, I don't have a personal connection to Bonk's Revenge. In fact, replaying it today, nothing jogged my memory as far as visuals go or anything. The visuals from Bonk's Adventure are the visuals that are encased in my memory. So this time around, Planet Nothing really jogged my memory. Bonk's Revenge is a direct sequel to Bonk's Adventure that was released in 1991 for the Topographic 16 and once again created by Red Company. And I have to say, let's 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 clap it out. We fucking did it! We fucking did it! We did it! They did it! They pulled it out, they pulled through, they might have pulled it out, who knows what they were pulling out. They fucking made a better game. Completely better. 100% better than the first game. The slightest game mechanic tweaks made all the fucking difference this time. So let's just, let's just jump right into it. Um, a lot of the characters from the first game uh, return. So again, you have the main character Bonk and Princess Za, along with King Drool as the main bad guy once again. This time around, there's not much of a story to speak of. There, there wasn't much of a story in the first game either, but at least within the game, there, there was some kind of exposition. This, this time around, there's none of that. You get kind of a hint of what's going on when you reach the final level, and then when you beat the game, Princess Za has some dialogue about how you finally return the moon back to normal. Now, this is, this is what confused me about the plot for Bonk's Revenge, because first of all, what is his revenge? What is, what is he on a tirade for? Because, 
I I don't really understand why it's called Bonk's Revenge. And maybe maybe I'm I'm thinking too deep about this. Maybe maybe I'm thinking too deep about this fucking game. But so at the beginning of the final level, there's like a a small little cutscene, and you see like a a ship or a flying a flying castle a castle ship in the shape of King Drool's head, and on top of it is half of the moon. And so from that you can gather that you are getting you're getting the other half of the moon. And at the end of the game, sure enough, Princess Zaz like, hey, you return the you return the other half of the moon. The, the the moon is full again. But the problem here is is in Bonk's adventure, when you go to Moonland, the moon is half. It's not full. There's there's not a top half to the moon, or a bottom half, or a side half. I guess it all depends on, on how you're looking at the moon because space space has no up or down or sideways or forwards or anything like that so anyway uh it, so so in that game there's only half of a moon and there's nothing else alluding to the fact that moonland is missing half of a piece but if, i don't know again i think i think i'm thinking too deeply about this plot um but whereas in the first game there was kind of uh some exposition the bosses give you some a little bit of plot drop a little bit of plot uh this game just doesn't do any of that the same power-ups and collectibles return here, but are slightly tweaked. Bonk is capable of having a total of 8 heart containers this time around instead of the 5 in Bonk's Adventure. These heart containers can be found hidden in levels or are rewarded to you through collecting a certain amount of smiley faces after each boss encounter. Whereas the smiley faces in Bonk's Adventure were mostly gathered within the stages themselves, they're actually more sparse here and the only place you will gather the most will be in the bonus levels. And I think there's eight or nine bonus levels uh, total. They range from different platforming sections, basically, or wall climbing. And after each boss fight, all of the smileys you've collected throughout the three or four areas of a stage are totaled up. And depending on how many you've gotten, I believe there's a, a maximum of 50. A small little cutscene will play, and Bonk is basically thrown onto a train. And depending on how many smileys you got, uh, the better looking the train. While on the train, there's uh, some other characters who kind of give you uh, some positive affirmation and tell you to, you know, keep going and you're almost there and blah, blah, blah. And, and as they're doing this, they, they toss out different power-ups, uh, including uh, one-ups and hearts and stuff like that. But they also throw out the heart containers. Early on in the game, this is one of the only ways you're able to obtain a heart container. When you get to the end game, like in the last level, there are some heart containers, I think there's maybe like two or three. So without gathering the smiley faces, uh, you can probably get like six heart containers, which is, I found having eight heart containers is a little overkill. It made the game a little too easy. So I feel like six is a, a good a ground there. And of course, meat is back. All right, let me, and of course, meat is back. And is implemented in the same way as it was in the first game. So collecting a small meat will transform Bonk. Collecting a second meat will further transform Bonk and make him invulnerable for 10 seconds. These power-ups are also slightly tweaked, so collecting that first initial small meat will allow Bonk to not only freeze enemies like he was able to in the first game by head diving onto the ground, but now he can also shoot something at enemies. I don't know, I don't know what this animation is. Coronavirus? It looks like a, a virus or something. He shoots like a virus out of his mouth. And when it hits an enemy, it freezes them on contact as well. 
And of course, with this transformation, Bonk's sprite changes. He's no longer a cute little caveman. He's some sort of weird looking Frankenstein creature. And of course, collecting the second tiny piece of meat allows Bonk to be invincible for a time. This is also tweaked. Um, after the initial invincibility, when head diving, Bonk is engulfed in flames and he can clear the entire screen of enemies when you hit the ground. On top of that ability, you're also able to toss fireballs at enemies as well. And just like in the last game, Bonk's sprite changes yet again, and this time he's like a hideous butt creature. He has like two foreheads, a really bad overbite, and like his tongue is sticking out, and he, he looks absolutely hideous. And as in tradition, like the first game, if you collect a big meat, uh, this bypasses that initial second transformation and launches you straight into invincibility. And when that 10 second invincibility wears off, you are still in that third transformation just like in the last game and there is a cooldown period where you go from uh, the third transformation to the second back to Bonk's base form. And the same transformation loss applies here as it did in the first game if you are hit by an enemy. This time around, Bonk controls much more smoothly. Right off the top, even, even he just seems to walk slightly faster, and his regular attack is also uh, slightly sped up. It almost seems like his sprite has a lot less frames, but is just as expressive as he was in the previous game. Far and away, the best improvement is the reduction of lag time after missing a uh, head dive. Instead of taking a full second to a second and a half, Bonk only takes a very quick moment to get back up, and it, it's so much better. When I realized that they, they fixed this, all doubt immediately just lifted from me. And I was able to enjoy playing this game almost immediately after realizing that. That's all it took. You, you, you play the first level, you, you miss a head dive, and, and immediately I'm like, oh, this is, this is going to be a much better game. Everything just seems much more fluid this time around. Uh, even the climbing, there's there's a lot of climbing in the very first level, climbing up waterfalls and stuff, and Bonk moves so much faster when he climbs. And in addition to mashing the jump button to make Bonk climb up a waterfall or climb up a tree, you're also able to just press up or down on the D-pad and control where you want Bonk to go. This makes exploring and the, the vertical sections of the game so much more fun to do. You have no idea how annoying climbing is in Bonk's adventure. The weirdest thing about climbing in that game is if you don't mash the button fast enough to make him climb, he just kind of slowly falls down and off of whatever you're climbing and you have to go jump back up and climb again. That's such a weird thing to have in a game. But here he doesn't do that at all. You can just set the controller down and he will just stay attached to whatever you have him jump on. It's such a simple little change that just makes all the fucking difference. And another addition to the climbing is Bonk's ability to swing and gain a, like a, a how do I describe this, like an upward momentum. He kind of gains momentum and like swings around in a circle and then when you, you hit the jump button he just kind of flies off in whatever direction you have him pointing in, uh, which is a fun little thing. I think I think it comes into practice maybe like two or three times throughout the game, not very often, but it's a cool little thing. And I think it was really important for them to tweak the climbing because, as I kind of stated before, there's 
much more exploration in these levels. So you will be climbing and wall jumping and doing all sorts of stuff to kind of try and find every nook and cranny of these levels. These levels are huge. And so no more are you able to just get onto a high ledge or, or jump off of a flower and uh, do little bonks spin jump through the level and just kind of cheese out an entire level. You can't do that here because there's so much verticality. There's so many more things that are in your way that you just can't twirl through the level. And that is a, a fantastic thing. There's a fantastic thing to have in a platformer. No more long hallways. Uh, no more levels looking exactly the same. No more enemies just placed in your way just to be placed in your way. Similar to Sonic the Hedgehog, there's plenty of different paths you can take in a level to reach the end of the level. There's tons of secrets, uh, hidden levels. Uh, you're also capable of, if you do, if you do uh, collect, to go back to the smiley faces real quick, if you do collect 50 smileys, you're able to actually warp to the next area. You're, you're able to skip an entire stage. And so there's a, there's a really good incentive to exploring in each of these levels. There are seven areas in total, and these are also broken up into sub-stages like, like in the previous game. Each level has about three to four sub-levels, uh, and that's excluding the last area, which has about five. The stages themselves are far more detailed this time. It still retains the cartoonish nature, but it's more, uh, it's more lively. It's, it's more bold uh, than the last game. Bonk's Adventures stages almost kind of seemed like a palette swap of each other with just slightly different platform heights. Uh, the only stages that really seemed like they were their own were the final stages. And at that point, like I said in the last podcast, by the time you reach the last area of Bonk's Adventure, you're just already just tired because everything has just been so monotonous up to that point. Whereas here in Bonk's Revenge, uh, the stages are packed with enemies which isn't a terrible thing because it actually doesn't seem like it's packed with enemies because the levels are so much larger this time around. And then you also get just a, a, a huge assortment of enemies in every level and it's fucking, it's wonderful. It makes the levels feel much more alive. It makes the levels feel lived in. The enemy placement this time around is, is brilliant. You could be up in the clouds fighting off simple flying enemies like pterodactyls and shit. But then you can misstep, fall back down to the ground, and get trampled by a Q-bone riding on a Velociraptor. Or you could be walking around at ground level and come to a small lake where you find one of the Q-bone enemies fishing in the lake, and he's surrounded by sleeping flowers, while piranhas are swimming just below the surface of that water. The stages just seem much more alive, and the enemy placements just make complete sense. And with that come the themes as well. The the themes of the stages are, are so much better. Uh, a good example of this is the snow level, which happens to be my favorite area of the game. Despite the, the boss of that area, kind of, I had a problem with the boss of that area. Uh, I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but the snow level is, is my favorite because up to this point in the game, the only theme that Bonk's Adventure really had going for it was its dinosaurs. Everything's just prehistoric, so we just add lava, throw in whatever dinosaurs we can think of, and volcanoes and rocks and stuff. Everything's just very brown. And you could argue like, yeah, there's there's the ice levels in that game, but it's literally just a palette swap of the other levels. So uh, let's just put some ice on the ground and now it's a snow level. That's all they did. Whereas 
Here, you've got northern lights up in the sky. You have these nice, thick blue clouds everywhere. There's the, the ground is covered in snow. There's enemies coming up out of the snow. There's Q-bones throwing snowballs at you, and they have little winter hats on and stuff. Bonk's adventure didn't capture what what a snow level would, would look actually look like. And furthermore, there are stages with other creative themes. I think it's in the last area where you come across an entire city um, that is called um, Hatchet, Hatchet, Hatchet Man City. The Q-bones are called like Hatchet Men or something like that, but I call them Q-bones because they look like Q-bones. But you go, you go to their city, you know, where they live, and you're climbing on skyscrapers and stuff, and you're murdering the entire city of Q-bones, and uh, because it's a city, it looks so much more, it looks lived in. It, it literally looks like a, a city. And then in another level, uh, you start out on the beach, and there's a whole bunch of uh, dinosaurs just kind of hanging out on the beach, relaxing. And then you come across a cruise ship, and then you're inside the cruise ship. And then to top a level off is one of the best bosses in the game, in my opinion, which is like this pirate dinosaur smoking a big-ass stogie. And at first, the, the beginning of the fight was kind of a letdown because it's very similar to the Wendy Koopa fight in Super Mario World. But after a couple hits, the uh, pirate dinosaur gets on top of a rocket-powered shark and starts firing missiles at you. Just like in the previous game, uh, the bosses here are pretty easily defeated, but they aren't without their tricks. Whereas in the first game, all you had to do was continually bash them in the head or dive bomb them into, into their heads. This time around, it's, it's the same idea, but due to the boss arenas, each boss kind of has their own little interactions with the stage, and so it makes it a lot harder to hit them. So you just can't continually get into a cycle of hitting them, spinning around, hitting them again, spinning around, hitting them. You can't you can't continually just cycle the bosses this time around like you were in Bonk's Adventure. So for example, the the first boss is uh is like a giant turtle, so you're dropped into this boss arena and he's kind of swimming around in lava and every once in a while he will pop out of the lava, pop out of his shell and then you have to hit him on his head and then eventually he will return back into his shell and go swimming in the lava again and you have to wait until that cycle repeats or there's a there's another boss this ballerina boss which is the the boss for the winter level you're getting dropped you get dropped into this arena that's covered in ice the ballerina goes underneath the ground and is throwing snowballs at you and then pops up out of the ground and drops icicles on you and, and at that point that's when you have to jump on her head the only reason why this boss gave me an issue and i don't know why but every time i went to go jump on this enemy's head, I was also damaged at the same time, so I could never figure out how to hit the boss without taking damage, but it was fine. I had enough continues and, and heart containers at that point that I was I was fine, but it was it was a little annoying. So even though the, the bosses in Bonk's Adventure were much easier just by cycling through that head dive, these boss fights are, are much more interactive and, and much more interesting given the fact that each boss has their own arena instead of just the boring 4x4 room each of the bosses had in the previous game. It gives them much more characterization than, than the other bosses, despite them not having any dialogue this time around, really. Uh, all they do is just kind of utter like these weird one-aligners like, Ah, darn you, Bonk! 
I'm going to get you next time and, and stuff like that. Like, it's very cartoony. The final stage is laid out in a similar way as the Wily Castle stages of Mega Man. You enter a hub room that has four doors. Each door leads to a different level with one of the four previous bosses at the end of every level. This is a much better execution than the previous games. You're just dropped into a boss rush and you are just consecutively going through these bosses one after another. And then you get to the final fight and then it's the end of the game. Bong's Revenge gives you actual end levels and they're actually worth exploring, especially if you didn't get the heart containers throughout the game. They're actually giving you uh, more great content to play. It's just some of that sweet, sweet exploration that this game has just continually given us up to the, even up to this point. It's still giving you more content to play, and it's fun to actually play. Also, here in these end levels, there's like this, like uh, this machine that crushes Bonk, and instead of killing Bonk like it would probably kill any other video game character, it instead turns him into a, a crab. Uh, you can't really do anything when you're in this crab form. The only thing you can really do is kind of like sneak into narrow passages that you're able to explore more of the level. But other than that, uh, it doesn't really do too much. It's just this is really bizarre type of thing that happens. Um, and then finally is the King Drool fight, which is 10 times easier than the, the previous fight with King Drool. All he really does is just move across the screen from left to right, and you just jump on him. That's literally it. He, he does drop like missiles on you and, and fireballs and stuff, but it's super easy to dodge. It's, it's, this boss fights for babies. I don't really have too much to say about the music other than it's, it's fucking great. It's, it's much better than, than the previous games. There are some returning tracks like the boss themes and, uh, King Drool's theme as well. But for the most part, every new track that is introduced in this game fits very well with the uh, stage that it's themed on. There are a couple other things that I haven't really mentioned and I, I quickly wanted to touch on but not go into too much detail. But when Bonk is low on health, uh, similar to Zelda, it starts making a beeping sound, which isn't as annoying as Zelda. It's kind of uh, a lower beep, and it's kind of mixed in the background with the music. I don't know if I did, but I, I think I might have mentioned that you can wall jump now, which doesn't really get used too often um, outside of the bonus stages. And this game is just about as long as the last game, uh, coming in around three hours, like, casually for me. And I guess maybe if you just blaze through the stages, you can probably get through this and a good 40 minutes and, and that's again if, you, if you're just not exploring the levels something that I thought was kind of interesting but unnecessary. There's a menu that pops up before you start playing where you are able to select your difficulty. There are three difficulties. There's, there's practice, intermediate, and expert. These names are just superficial as the game just has one set difficulty. In practice mode, all you do is play the opening stage with your maximum heart capacity of like eight hearts. Intermediate has you playing at least four of the stages, and expert is just the entire game from start to finish. I thought maybe each of these difficulty settings had different levels, 
So out of curiosity, I, I played the practice mode, and it is as I stated before. And then it's after I finished that stage, it said that I can move on to intermediate. But I just skipped that altogether and just went to expert. And again, it just launched me right into that first stage that I had just played about three minutes ago. So I assume intermediate is just four other random stages, or, or perhaps it's the first stage, second, third, and fourth in that order. I feel like if you're going to play this game, just skip practice and intermediate altogether and just play expert mode, because it's the entire game. You start with three hearts like you normally would, and it's not hard. It doesn't have any more enemies than the other mode does. It's exactly the same thing. You're just getting more game, so why, why not just get more game? So uh, let's finish this off here. Let's uh, finish this shit. Overall, this game is not only a huge improvement over the first, but so far it's right behind Alien Crush's my favorite TurboGrafx-16 game. I think the only thing that would set Bonk's Revenge higher than Alien Crush is if at the end of the game, like in Bonk's Adventure, they had um, the cast of characters, you know, like L.E. Gator, T. Rexasaur, Lee Harvey Oswald, or whatever the fuck, uh... I, I think this game would be much higher than Alien Crush, but this time around they they nixed that, and instead they were like, "Oh, oh, you, hey, you guys, we we actually made a really good game. Like, you guys want credit for this? Maybe they were embarrassed the first time around. Maybe they knew Bonk's Adventure was fucking garbage, and they're like, don't put my name on this. So so they um they they completely bypassed the whole cast thing, which is a little disappointing. I really wanted to know what the uh. Uh, pirate dinosaur's name was, but yeah, whatever. It's probably out there somewhere. I'm sure I can look it up. All of the cute art style and charm is carried over from the last game, but it's animated much better this time around. Every level is full of extravagant details, while the levels themselves are bursting with life from larger, uh, superior sprite details. Like I stated before, uh, basic enemies have certain costumes depending on the theme of the stage which further adds more character to Bonk's world. There's more incentive to gather collectibles so you can start a new area with power-ups and more heart containers. And the controls. The fucking controls! They're so much better. Bonk controls so much better. There's no more lag between hits. He, he still has his really lively animations when he misses an air attack but he assembles himself much faster this time around. And I, I didn't really mention his jumping mechanics. That's still a little rocky. He, he still sticks to the ground far longer than I would like him to between jumps, but it doesn't really ruin the game for me. In fact, the, the platforming is much better in this game. Even his spin jump is tweaked just a little bit better so that you can bounce from enemy to enemy, get to secret areas of the levels much easier. Everything just seems much more fluid this time around. If you can't tell by me gushing about this game right now, it is a solid recommend. I, I fucking recommend this game. Go play Bonk's Revenge. Completely, I'm sticking, like, in comparison to Bonk's Adventure, this game is gold. I am sticking to my not recommend for Bonk's Adventure. Just play Bonk's Revenge. And out of curiosity, I might just go check out the third one. I don't know if I'm going to review it. I probably won't because it doesn't meet the criteria. I'm going to be honest. There's there's uh, actually a lot of games on this list that don't meet my self-imposed criteria for the show. But I don't know. I don't I don't think I'm going to do I don't think I'm going to review the third Bonk game, but I might just play it on my off time and, and maybe I'll talk about it. But I guess like, I don't know. What, what do you guys want to hear? What do you guys want to hear in the future? Do you 
do you want to recommend me a game to play in the future? And I'm talking about like talking about like in the future for like Sega or like PlayStation or whatever. Um, again, I some games I might already have on the list. Um, do you want me to do? Do you want me to talk about more modern games like the Resident Evil games or? Do you want me to talk about more modern games like uh, Doom Eternal or something or Final Fantasy VII Remake? Do you want episodes of that? I want you guys to help me uh, and, and help dictate the type of content I'm putting out. And I can do just short little one-off uh, more modern reviews. I don't know. I, I feel like the, the further I get into this quest, the more the more we're going to kind of run into repetition, with, especially with some of these older games, because a lot of these older games have more or less the same mechanics or whatever, and, and at some point we're just going to start comparing games to each other. So, uh, if I mean, if you guys have any ideas, you can always hit me up uh, at my email, uh, mainquestpod at gmail.com. Uh, hit me up on Twitter. I hate saying hit me up. It's such like an overwrought, means nothing fucking tweet at me nobody says tweet at me anymore it's like not 2007 um uh talk to me make dialogue we can have dialogue on twitter twitter fuck <laughs> we could have a dialogue on twitter at main quest pod otherwise check out the bullshit i post on instagram at the underscore main underscore quest thank you guys uh so much for listening i will see you beautiful beautiful flesh and bone human beings next week with pac-man pac-man i'm not playing pac-man pac-land it's pac-man but in a land whatever see ya